welcome to episode 114 of the Half Point for Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, and joined, it's the triumphant return of producer Johnny Pham. Uh, co-host Dalton Willie is 12 minutes away, I am just finding out. Uh, so we're not going to have all three. Johnny's going to be dipping out in about 10 minutes, but had to start the show at this time so we could get Johnny on for just a few. I guess, first of all, Johnny, before we jump right into it, how was Europe? I mean, you were you were everywhere. Oh man, it's it's good to be back. It's uh, it's been a chaotic last uh, twenty days of just getting married, uh, honeymoon in Europe, jet lag like no other. I barely <laughs> sleep schedule is terrible. But when we yeah. got to Europe, jet lag was non-existent. But when we came back, it was just. It's just been uh well because you were excited to be there. You weren't excited to come back to reality. I'm yeah, sure. and like the sleep schedule's just been off. We wake up at like four a.m. It's like I guess we need to unpack, do some laundry, clean the house, and just that's been the last like three days. So that's the uh, <laughs> the tidal wave we're on. Um, didn't see a whole lot of NFL jerseys in uh in um in Europe at all. Really, barely any. Uh, thought I would snap some or get some pictures of some, but didn't really yeah. see a whole lot. So that's unfortunate, but yeah. I happy, think you, I think you need here. to be in Germany. I think Germany is oh, like, it seems like we're yeah. the NFL is pretty big in Germany. Like and, Cause you guys didn't go to, to England either. Right. No. So like no. London maybe would have been another one. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I think I've never, Germany's I've never heard any, never heard any rumblings of like a, a Paris NFL game. So it may yeah. not be, may not be too big over there yet. Uh, so how many countries were you guys in? So we went to Paris, uh, Paris, Venice, Rome, and then the Amalfi Coast, and then Copenhagen. So five cities and I think three countries. So which is the favorite of the three countries? Uh, I think like, I think Italy's up there. Like the food was just tremendous. Favorite uh, food you ate in Italy? Dude, carbonara. Carbonara Mm. is amazing. And like, I literally think anytime I saw it on the menu, I was like, I gotta get it. And then by probably like day 10 of ordering it, every single time we saw it in a restaurant, I knew when it was going to be a bad carbonara or a pristine carbonara, depending on like how much like grease or oil is at the bottom. And I was like, oh, this. But then also, like, risotto is amazing with, like, seafood because we're by the ocean. So the seafood mm-hmm. and the risotto was great. But um, one time we ordered, and the server thought we were just classic Americans not knowing <laughs> what we ordered. Did you guys get pizza? We did get, we did get. I was going to say, they, they, yeah. they maybe thought you were classic Americans because you were eating pizza. No. So I ordered risotto, and he comes out with the plate, and it's like, um, seafood and rice i was like sir it is not just seafood and rice you, you say risotto that's what i ordered don't make me seem like a six-year-old and i was like i was so offended i was like what what in the world well uh, yeah pizza was great trip was good italy is the official country of the half point for podcast glad to hear it all right johnny let's jump into a couple of props then we'll get you out of here off to your uh Big time kickball game tonight. We'll start with Justin Fields. His over under for passing yards is set at 2,850 and a half minus 110 on both the over and the under. I'll let you go. And I I won't give too much reasoning right now because 
I handpicked these mostly so Dalton and I would disagree multiple times this week. <laughs> so we'll, he and I will probably go at it a little bit more. But Justin Fields, your your take on this prop? Yeah, I I like the over. I I feel like the weapons that they brought in the semi better protection he's going to have this year just being in the system i think he's a great passer i think it's just i, I forgot i think you and dalton were having the beef of justin fields right like, oh yeah okay i think he's a great passer i think it's i wouldn't just, say great but i would say he's not he's, as bad as he's as his number portrayed yeah so like i think he will take a jump up this year with like passing yard numbers with like the weapons that are around him and i i i like the over um, I necessarily want to take it to the um, sports book with it, but I yeah. think uh, I think the over is a good good option. Yep, I'm with you, and again, I'll expand more on that uh, with Dalton when he gets here. Uh, Damian Pierce, his over under nine hundred and a half rushing yards, minus one hundred five on the over, minus one fifteen on the under. Uh, you know, I didn't do a whole lot of research as I'm just. I just feel hungover every single day and potentially still hungover from the wedding night. Um, but I'm just going to say, let's just go with the over. Don't really have a lot of lot of background knowledge to it, but let's just let's just say the over on this one. Yep, you and I are in lockstep. I'm almost positive Dalton's going to go the under here. Here, I'll, I'll throw something out. Uh, Damian Pierce, fourth in the NFL in broken tackles last year in the same class as guys like Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, and Jonathan Taylor. I know Dalton will bring up the efficiency stuff later on as we talk. The guy did average 5.35 yards per carry against stack boxes last year. I, I just think he uh, needs a little bit of a better offense this year. And even though he's a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud, it should be better than what they had last year. Darren Waller, obviously, Johnny, Dalton, and I went back and forth on yep. this one. Yep. Over, under, 700 and a half receiving yards. I'm on the under. If memory serves, you were on my on side in the debate. Oh, yeah, yeah, the debate. But yeah. are you on the over or the under in, on this line? I like the over on this line. I feel like he's finally healthy, has a competent enough quarterback. Um, and I feel like 700 is like not that much yeah. of like a yardage prop. But I, I think he hits the over on this one. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not one that I feel exceedingly confident because oh, it's yeah I don't feel confident in any of these. It, it's mostly health based. Uh, yeah, here Donovan Peoples Jones over under five hundred and a half receiving yards minus one fifteen on the over minus one hundred five on the under. He has hit this the last two years, but I really wanted to bring this up because I, I wanted to talk a little bit about whether we think this is going to be a you know, three receivers can be somewhat valuable. Or if we think that Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper are the one, two, and then there's a gap. I'm more on that train of thought. So I'm on the under, but I'm curious what, what you think here, Johnny. Also Cedric Tillman in the picture there too. I, I like the over just purely on, he's just a freak athlete. I, he is. I, I like what, the Browns have been doing with like their receiving core at least with like bringing in Amari Cooper. Did they they drafted Donovan People Jones right? Uh, well that yeah they drafted people they they drafted People Jones yeah yeah I mean I I like his frame I I think this is a an achievable number for him oh yeah um, I I feel like he'll just have like one or two hundred yard games and then you're kind of pretty much in the clear after that because yep yeah. 
It's possible. I'm I'm just taking taking the under. A little scared of the top two guys there, and also very terrified of Deshaun Watson, who we've uh, talked about a lot. Talked about a lot yeah. here. We don't even know if he's still good at this point. All right, Johnny, last one, then we'll get you out of here. Justin Herbert over under four thousand four hundred fifty and a half passing yards. Uh, again, minus one fifteen on the over, minus one hundred five on the under. New offensive coordinator should be an upgrade. Uh, are you on the over or are you fading the Chargers? I I think I'm on the over. I feel like um, Justin hasn't done anything to really make us think that he won't hit that. I'm not sure what his numbers are the last couple of years. but I think he's, he's hit the last two years. Yeah, I, I don't think really much would change of this. I think the offensive coordinator is going to... Play, um, make calls and decisions based on like Justin's strengths and like what's best for the team. But I, I think he'll hit the over here. Yep, agree with you. I'm I'm taking the over. Um, he's hit this the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, with passing numbers, they they can't get the prop like terribly terribly high. Like they're they're not yeah. gonna put this at 4800 because no one's betting over on that. <laughs> so that that's part of it. But I, I think like if if you were making a list of three guys to lead the league in passing yards. I think Herbert is second or third on that list. It's like Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow in in some order after Mahomes, I think. But yeah. All right, Johnny, 6'11". You need to get out of here? Yep, I do. All righty. I'm going to just play drops for five minutes (laughs) until Dalton gets here. Uh, it looks like he's on the highway, so he's he's en route, but we'll see what time he actually shows up. Thank God. You're going to have fun listening back to this one. Yeah, that'll be a joy. See you. All right, Johnny is out of here. We are waiting uh, for Dalton to get back so he can join the podcast. I didn't mention off the top, so I'll mention it now. This is the My Guys episode. We are going to be talking about guys that Dalton and I just, we are finding ourselves leaving drafts with these guys more often than not. If not, like some of these guys, it's almost every time for me because one or two of mine are late enough where you can really zero in on on the target and and make it happen. So we'll get to that. That's always fun. Um, so that'll be a fun conversation, I'm sure. Uh, to look back at some of the guys last year, to give you an idea of how we did last season, it was a little bit up and down. But lists like this are going to be up and down because, I mean, we're, we're making a definitive call on guys that are in the mid-rounds. Like, we're not saying, oh, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor. Well, Jonathan Taylor is probably not a good example right now. But Nick Chubb, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes, that, that's a my guy. Like we, We're trying to be a little bit more bold than that to, to make the information more helpful uh, to you, the listener. But looking back at last year, my guys, Khalil Herbert, which I think worked out pretty well. Rashad Bateman, that was, that was injury. That was a bummer. Uh, technically didn't work out. Uh, I think it would have worked out fairly well if he didn't get hurt and his quarterback also didn't get hurt. On top of that, uh, A.J. Dillon, that was the bad call. Um, I was all over taking Dillon the fourth round. Thought that was great, great RB2. I mean, you could take him later than that. So, like, I was taking him early fifth, late fourth and was feeling great about him as my RB2. And it turned out you could not really start A.J. Dillon. So that was an unfortunate call. Ramondre Stevenson, definitely my best call of this list last year. If you'll remember, he was going behind. Damian Harris at this point last year. And I think he eked clear up to just about even with Harris, maybe a spot or two behind. 
but I had him like mid or like mid twenties amongst running backs. And that was still like low. Like that was still low um, among where he finished, but that was still also higher than consensus. Juju Smith Schuster. I know uh, the season did not end very well. He got banged up late in the year and he was a little slow starting. I still think by and large, if you drafted Juju, which you drafted him probably as either your last starter or your first bench guy, I think you ended up pretty happy um, with the contributions of Juju based on his draft position, even though like it wasn't as good as it could have been. If he would have stayed healthy, didn't have the concussion, he had the knee issues that that plagued him down the stretch, uh, but he had a stretch there where he was a top 10 receiver for, for, three, for three weeks, four weeks, something like that. So he he at least I, I think was an okay call last year. Dalton also had Juju, so again decent call there. Uh, Cortland Sutton probably one of Dalton's more unfortunate ones. Trey Lance another one that that was injury, so we don't know how that would have worked out. We still don't know how Trey Lance is going to work out. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Aaron Jones, great call. Like it, it's not that Aaron Jones finished that much higher than where he was being drafted. And he actually may not have done quite what Dalton had hoped for. But basically, you know, if you took away from Dalton's list, draft Aaron Jones, then that that worked out. That worked out. I mean, you were happy with Aaron Jones on your team. And the last one, um, both Dalton and I had to wear this one last year. Allen Robinson, very, very poor call by both of us. Uh, yeah, that one just didn't work out. We'll see what he has left in, in Pittsburgh. But... But yeah, A-Rob did not work out. It is what it is. So we'll see how we do this year. That'll be fun. Uh, once Dalton joins the show, we will jump into the props live on YouTube here. And of course, in your podcast feeds. And then we will get uh, to the My Guys as well. But real quick, a couple of news items uh, before we get to that. So first of all, uh, pretty recently today on Wednesday, the 49ers named Sam Darnold their backup quarterback meaning Trey Lance is now their number three quarterback. And the reporting that, that came out of uh, NFL Network is that the 49ers are going to be working on options with Trey Lance. And, you know, it, it's it, this is just a really – it's a crazy situation because most teams in this situation, you trade up to, uh, was it three overall? You trade multiple first-round picks for a guy, and it, it works – out this poorly like this is a fireable offense in almost every situation they've done such a good job building that roster that Kyle Shanahan can do his Kyle Shanahan thing where he doesn't want the guy to play outside of the system he wants a guy that excels in his system which is why like looking back I understand what they wanted to do they wanted a guy that could elevate the system but the coach kind of has to be willing to allow that to happen, to allow that leash. There's got to be some give and take, and I just don't really think there was. Of course, there was bad injury luck too. So I guess we'll see on Trey Lance. The jury is still very much out. Like if you're in a dynasty league and you want to buy really, really low on Trey Lance because you're still a believer, you can give it a shot. I mean, it's, it's got to be really, really low for me to be interested in buying right now, I think. But th there is that option still. Like, Atlanta, uh, Tampa Bay, Washington, any of those three um, would be very interesting Trey Lance destinations. I know they all have like 
some semblance of a guy they like there right now uh, that they've drafted in recent years or in Tampa's case, uh, Baker Mayfield, and maybe they just want to suck bad enough that they, you know, they don't want to risk the Trey Lance thing and they want Caleb Williams, which is a totally defensible uh, stance in my opinion. But if so, totally good um, with that on Tampa. But yeah, it'll be interesting to follow the Trey Lance stuff, where he ends up and if he plays any kind of role in this NFL season. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba broke a bone in his wrist, uh, got tackled near the goal line the other day off of a, after a very nice route uh, turned into him um, nearly scoring a touchdown, got tackled, fell in an unfortunate way on the wrist. Uh, the reporting at this point is he's out three to four weeks, so I think we can probably rule him out for week one. And then past that, we, we just don't know. And I don't know if we're going to get any type of clarity that that like I, I don't think that the Seahawks could really say anything to make me believe he's going to play week one at this point because I just don't trust Pete Carroll when it comes to injuries he's usually um, erring on the side of caution when it comes to that we all remember Zach Charbonnet was like out for a while and then he was back so it's just just draft if you draft JSN just do it with the thought that this guy could be out uh, a couple of weeks of the season, not not just one or two. Hey, we have company. Hello. What's up, man? I am getting through uh, these news notes real quick. Uh, John and I went through the props already, but I gave very short answers so I can talk a little more in detail with you. But where we're at right now is Jonathan Taylor seeking uh, seeking a trade. The Colts have given him permission to do so. Not much to say on that other than this is a situation to monitor, obviously. And have your drafts. Is he playing on the Dolphins? Is he playing on the Colts? Is he not playing at all? That'll be uh, a story to follow this week. And hopefully you don't have to make a draft decision. Terry McLaurin has a toe injury. Sounds like it's turf toe. Nothing definitive on him, whether he's going to miss time or not. Um, but anybody who follows football knows that these turf toe things, while guys can play through them, they can linger. So I can't blame you if, if Terry McLaurin becomes a, uh, a much less viable option at his draft price until we learn more. And if there's more positive news on any, any thoughts on Taylor, Terry McLaurin, or I also talked a little bit about uh, the Trey Lance situation before you got here too. Uh, RIP Trey Lance. Don't take any shares of him. I'll drop that one. He was my guy last year. Honorable mention. Yep. I did Uh, just run through our, my guys as I was stalling, waiting for you from last year. And uh, we, we had some ups and downs. We had some ups and downs on that list, but yeah, Trey Lance was one of yours last year. Uh, On the JT situation. I feel like this is what the chargers did to Eckler, which they're like, okay, if you want to get traded, go find a trade partner. Yeah. Here is the compensation we want. And it's really, it's like, you're at a job and you want to raise and your boss says, go get that raise somewhere else. And we'll give it to you here knowing you're not worth that much money. And that's, I think that's the outcome Taylor is going to probably be faced with. Uh, Terry McLaurin out of all of those is probably the most worrisome yeah. because turf toe is something that can linger into the season. It also initially looked like an ankle sprain, yeah. which is even scarier. Uh, it's what killed Jerry Judy for two years and he might be bad. It might be been the ankle sprain. But Jahan Dotson at wide receiver 38 is probably a screaming value after that preseason performance. Yeah, I'm back sure he's going to shoot up draft boards in the yeah. next week or so. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, probably my thought on the news and notes of the day. Sorry for being late here, folks. 
That's fine. No worries. Uh, we had Johnny give us his his recap of his honeymoon. Uh, learned that Italy was his favorite country he visited. So Italy is the official country of the Half Point for Pod now. We're glad to have Ooh. you. Open to to any advertising deals that uh, the country, the whole country of Italy would would like to work out. Also, uh, just just wanted to say thank you to the listen all the listeners last week i think last week may have been our most listened to show if you count youtube views of the show and podcast listens so thank you guys for that hopefully we have another good one coming up today dalton we will zip through these props uh justin fields over under 2850 and a half i took the over on that i could respond uh to what you're, I'm assuming, going to be on the under of that one, but I'll let you give that argument first. Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. I'm taking the under. I have a couple of reasons for doing it. Uh, just right out of the gate, last year, out of all qualifying 34 quarterbacks, uh, Justin Fields was second longest in time to throw, only surpassed by Zach Wilson. I do not have strong inclinations to believe that a quarterback – is going to fix those tendencies. I don't think that's a wide receiver room issue. That's a, you're looking down the field, you see nothing, you get it out of your hands situation. Uh, I, he was outdone last year by Kenny Pickett, who didn't play a full season in passing yards. And Brock Purdy in like nine games had 1,900 passing yards, which almost got to his 2,200. I, I'm a strong believer that he's just not a good passer. And I don't think the DJ Moore addition is going to be significant enough to, to overlap this goal, which again, I know 2,800 is, sounds like a small number, but Lamar Jackson has only hit that three times in his career, so it, it is difficult to get to. Uh, and then my last he, point He here, guaranteed 4,000, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah, he can guarantee a lot of things. Uh, and my last thing is I don't know – I don't want to buy stock into Matt Eberflus and co. in Chicago because I don't know if they're good coaches yet or not. Uh, last year didn't really give me anything to believe. Um, I understand the situation was horrific, but it's hard for me to want to put money and buy stock into that. So I'd rather just fade them because it's harder to be a good NFL coach than it is to be a bad one. We'll see uh, how the how the short passing stuff works. It seems like an emphasis in camp has been, hey, you don't have to take off and run every time, like dump it down every now and then. So if he does that at least a little more often, that, that can help uh, toward this number. He finally has like, some decent weapons. We, we like DJ Moore. Chase Claypool at least helps. He's an upgrade now that he's had a, a whole a whole year kind of to be in the system and get caught up and hopefully be healthy uh, by the season. And then Darnell Mooney missed a lot of time last year too, so he's back. And the deep ball is like the one thing I'm most confident in fields as a passer. We've talked about this, but fourth in completed air yards per completion, 11th in completed air yards per attempt. An 11th highest percentage of passing yards came from air yards last season. So, and as a rookie, he was top four in all of those, a much smaller sample. So he could throw it down the field. Uh, if he could get some yak, which he got in the first preseason game, that would also be very helpful for this. Total. Three for so, three for 129 yeah. yards. We'll definitely get you some yak. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I just think this is a low enough number. I'm not, I'm not saying that's like a crazy because I get I get you like it's not like 2800 is not as low as some people make it out to be. But I also think I said this to Johnny that I think he's a better passer than the numbers would kind of indicate. Uh, there's like I, I don't know he he's got all the tools he's got more tools as a passer than Jalen Hurts I, I think. Now does he have the other stuff? Not yet. TBD. But but yeah, I I think I'm I'm on the over here. 
Damian Pierce, Dalton, over or under 900 and a half rushing yards. Uh, Johnny and I were both on the over, and I think I know your answer, but let's see. Yeah, again, um, this is the under. Because, I mean, for one, last year this guy had basically an unmitigated workload from weeks four onward. I, he totaled 70% of the RB snaps on this team, which is, I would probably classify as workhorse. Uh, and he he didn't he hardly hit the over on this number then. I think there's going to be more players factored into the backfield. Uh, shout out to preseason hero and sleeper of the podcast, Mike Boone, who is <laughs> he, I think he's going to make himself a little bit of a name here. I think he might be above Devin Singletary on the depth chart if we're being honest here. And we've always been a fan of him here at half point. Uh, but I just don't think that. Damian Pierce has it, and I don't think this offense is going to have it either. And when you put those together, I'm taking the under, especially with the, the tendency for running backs to get injured. He he would have to be really efficient in his games to get this, and I don't think this offense lends itself to efficiency. And then just going back to our ranks debate episode a while ago, I mean, he was one of one of two running backs of 16 to have over the number of touches he had in his rookie season and not even hit a top 20 running back in PPR. Uh, and I just think his yards are going to suffer from it as well. Mm. You know what? You know why I put this one on here um, outside of I knew we would disagree is I actually, so this was on our first show, our first show at this exact same number, our first ever? player prop show, not ever oh. our first player prop show of the summer, uh, this exact number. And it hasn't changed. I took the under then I am flipping to the over in this case. Did I take uh, the under then? Uh, that would be really funny if you did not. And it'd also be funny if Johnny didn't take the same thing that he, oh, wait, it was our second show. We all took the under then. So both Johnny and I have been, have been swayed, but I, I, I just, I watch him play and I come away thinking like, he's not great, but I think he's a, pl- a pretty good running back. You know, I'm not buying stock in in preseason necessarily, but I will say the fact that he took two snaps on third and four and longer in their first drive the other day or in his two series. And he had eight of those all last season. It's at least a positive sign that the coaching staff is trusting him a little more in those situations. And so maybe if he, he may not be the all around first and second down workhorse, but if he's just on the field in more situations, that gives them more opportunity uh, for rushing yards. Not those are like crazy high rushing situations, but there, there will be a couple times where they run on, on third and long. I'm sure where they're, uh, I'm going to pl- spin zone you on this one. Okay. Damian Pierce played all but two snaps with the starting offense. Mm-hmm. And those two snaps they didn't play were Mike Boone. That that doesn't matter. I don't really care about that. In those, he went he carried the ball six times for 15 yards. <laughs> I do not know if, what is that? 2.3 yards per carry is going to get him to 900. He averaged 5.35 yards per carry against stacked boxes last year. He was fourth in the NFL in broken tackles in the same neighborhood as like Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Steven, Jonathan Taylor, and uh, Najee Harris, kind of the black sheep of that group, but Najee Harris uh, as well in that group. So I think he's a legit good player, and I think he's going to have a nice season in a improved but still not very good offense. All right. Next guy, Donovan Peoples-Jones, over under 500 and a half receiving yards. I mainly wanted to bring this one up because I wanted to talk about whether we think this is the Amari Cooper-Elijah Moore show at receiver 
or if Donovan Peoples-Jones will factor in more than that. I personally, I'm on the side of uh, Elijah Moore is going to be the clear two with Peoples-Jones clearly behind. And there's also Cedric Tillman there who can be a, a good X receiver. Uh, well, now and Joku obviously Watkins. a tight end too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say Austin Watkins and Anthony Schwartz, who are two of their perennial like wide receivers that are going to make this roster are very much so competing. And Austin Watkins looks to be like, he might be a better deep threat than Anthony Schwartz who pushed DPJ for a roster spot mm-hmm. last year. So I'm on the under, I am uh team funnel the targets for the top two guys. And maybe Cedric Tillman can become interesting. I think Donovan people zones is kind of just a guy in a great athlete's body. Uh, Johnny took the over. Can't, can't hate him for it. Cause it's a low number 500 and a half. Uh, Dalton, what are you on here? Uh, I'm taking the under uh, for a couple of reasons. One, like, and I'm not a guy that's going to buy huge stock into preseason camp reports, but all of the camp reports from the beat writers for Cleveland have been that Deshaun Watson has been uh, unmitigatedly terrible. And I mean, the highlight, I, I saw one camp report to sweet out. And he said Deshaun Watson's had his best day so far. He went 10 for 15 and three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, in seven on sevens, that's not really like something to, to, to write home about. And when you carry that over from last year's preseason performance and then last year's in-season performance, I have serious questions if we're getting the same Deshaun Watson we're expecting to see that we saw in Houston. So I'm already down on all the pass catchers for that reason. And then, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones has had three years now to earn himself like a significant target share in an offense bereft of playmakers outside mm-hmm. of Amari Cooper, and he just hasn't done it. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if Austin Watkins and Cedric Tillman beat him out for that wide receiver three spot. Both guys are X receivers. DPJ can only be an X receiver. He probably makes this roster, in my opinion, because he's a good kick returner, and that's really where his his specialty for the Browns lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, let's zip through this one a little bit here. Justin Herbert uh, over under four thousand four hundred fifty and a half. I took over i think herbert is probably one of the three best bets in my mind to lead the league in passing yards uh what do you think yeah i'm taking the over kellen more train arrived in or in los angeles i'm a little concerned i'm too low on some of the pass catchers in los angeles as well just yep. because of how good they could be yeah okay the last guy sadly i already had to say his name because johnny and i did this and so johnny had to give his prop but the last guy Dalton is a my guy for you so let's get straight into the my guys with your first one yeah my first guy uh no surprise anybody who listened to the ranking show the only retread I'm throwing up here it's Darren Waller I don't think looking at ADP there's anybody at a better bet at tight end to be the overall tight end one that's not Travis Kelsey that's going this low so the guy's going above Darren Waller right now uh, who he has skyrocketed up underdog ADP recently. If you haven't noticed, he went from tight end seven to tight end four. Uh, oh. when I originally did this right up, he was still a tight end seven, he's now tight end four. Still, the guy's going above him. One, uh, TJ Hawkinson. I think Darren Waller is more talented than TJ Hawkinson. I don't think we disagree on the talent in Darren Waller, I think we disagree on the availability of Darren Waller. Well, um, and I, I'm just this is really people know my my rebuttal to this and why I took the under. I didn't really give the reason on this show, but the ranks debate shows just he's played 20 games in the last two years. He's going into his age 31 season. Will that same guy come back this year? You know, hopefully so. But I think the jury is still out now. It sounds like based on Giants camp, he's playing like a different sport. 
than everybody else there. So who knows? Well, and talked about this on the Ranks Man episode. The number of players to draw 25% target share in the Giants offense last year were pretty bad players. And I am confident in saying Darren Waller is a better receiver than any receiver on the Giants roster. That one's one I'm willing to go with. We saw it in his one preseason game. He played with the starters where he had 50% of the team's targets when he was on the field. I mean, this guy is going to be a target machine. I'm a big believer. Brian Dabble last year made guys like Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton, these late round tight or targets, all because he made them look productive. He orchestrated a productive offense. Uh, my opinion Mark Andrews is going to see a significant decline in target share. I think Darren Waller should be above him. TJ Hawkinson's another guy I'm just not buying into. But just to hit, like, with some of the stats on how good Waller is when he's healthy, he's run, he runs 32 routes per game and gets 7.6 targets per game. So he's averaging an insane target share on routes run, and he averages five receptions and six, 62.5 yards per game. This puts him in the top four of all tight ends. The only downfall was with the Raiders. He was unable to really turn a lot of these targets into touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I think it's a bigger indictment to the Raiders offense. He's the best red zone weapon other than Saquon Barkley on this team and maybe a Daniel Jones QB run. I was going to say maybe a Daniel Jones uh, QB run, yep. But the last reason he's a my guy is kind of throwing some game theory into drafting your players. I am staunchly against mid-round tight ends. And this is a mid-round tight end pick yep. because two things are going on here. One, if you draft Darren Waller and he plays 17 games, I'm pretty confident in saying he'll be a top four tight end regardless and might press for top two or one. But if Darren Waller gets injured, you're not losing a lot of replacement value because you can get another guy in the later rounds who's going to do just as good for you. So if you draft Darren Waller in the eighth round and then you bring it back in the, you know, the 15th round with Earth Smith – think you're going to end up with a pretty good roster. You, you might end up with two guys who are out by week three. <laughs> Maybe not Irv Smith. Let me, let me change it. Maybe not Irv Smith. Like, let's do like a Jake Ferguson or Gerald Everett or Jerron Johnson late. In these Ty- Tyler Higby. Yeah, any of those guys. Then you have – I think you have a pretty confident roster build where every week he's healthy. You start Darren Waller and you know he can score you 20 points a game. And if he is hurt, you have a guy whose replacement value is going to be detrimental to your roster. I think drafting some of these other mid-round tight ends is absolutely terrible for your team because even their upside cases is like tight end seven. See, like I, we we should have had this ranks debate at the time or just this straight up debate. Uh, probably don't have time to do it now because we need to get the rest of our guys. Like I would rather take Kyle Pitts in that similar neighborhood, but I'm also I'm not like I have Waller at tight end eight, uh, like right there with Pat Fryermuth. I, I could easily be talking swapping. Those two guys, like I, you know, it's pretty pretty close for for me on those two. As long as you're taking them as like your tight end seven, tight end eight, that's fine. It's when you get up to that tight end four, like in underdog, if that price starts seeping into the home leagues, then I will feel a lot less good about it because I think the risk is baked in at tight end seven or eight. I don't think the risk is is baked in like it should be at at that higher rank. And I'm sure you'd even agree. Um, with with that to some extent, although I know you have him ranked higher than than tight end seven. Yeah, and right now on underdog, he's going 60th overall, uh, which puts him in the same range as players like uh, Deontay Johnson, huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Alexander Madison, I'd take over him. George Kittle, I would take over him. Davian Pierce, I would take – or sorry, I'd take 
Walter over Diddley Pierce, uh, Trevor Lawrence, George Pickens. Those are all guys I would still take over. Pickens is the first one that you said that I would take uh, Waller yeah. over. But him becoming, and again, since last I looked at AP, this has been a jump over the last four days. Uh, him being all the way up in the fifth round makes him much richer. And I think it's part because his preseason performance probably leads a lot of people to believe what I'm saying, that if he does play, he's going to be a target machine. Uh, it definitely picks 60 is getting a little rich for me, but I still like, if you put him and Mark Andrews in a room together at pick 30 and you told me to pick, I, I might take Darren Waller. No matter yeah. what. Man, I, I don't know about that, but I think we all know my, my thoughts. And now you're LVP thoughts. last year. Mark Andrews. Darren Waller couldn't lose you leagues because you couldn't start him because he was injured. <laughs> All right? At least he does that for you. He just goes away instead of being bad on the field, I guess. Hey, there is something to be said about that. <laughs> All right. My first one, I wanted to to get a quarterback on this list because I, ha- I had a hunch that Darren Waller might be on yours. Uh, I'm going Trevor Lawrence. Now, on its face, this is the QB8 in ADP and my QB8 in – in draft. So I'm not like telling you go take him way ahead of his ADP. But what I am saying is that I really like if I don't take one of those top 3 guys, I really like drafting Trevor Lawrence at this spot. He he's the last guy. We we talked about this a little bit, Dalton. Like there's a top 8 and you you disagree with Fields, so maybe for you it's different, but for me there's a top 8 and once you get past the 8th quarterback there's a big drop-off in certainty and an upside. And I, I like taking the cheapest of that group in Lawrence. So there's that aspect of it. And then, like, you just look back at last year, he and Doug Peterson created one of the top five to ten passing offenses in the NFL with Christian Kirk, who we like, but is not a number one receiver. Evan Ingram, who had a nice year and was healthy, and so he was actually pretty decent, but is not – a number two option in the passing game in an ideal passing offense. And Zay Jones, who should not be your number three option. Like all of these guys were playing up a rung last year. Now, if Calvin Ridley is what we're hoping for and what we're ranking him to be and what a lot of people are ranking him to be, all those guys get bumped back down. Trevor Lawrence's life gets made a lot easier. And I mean, frankly, we talk a lot about, you know, what's DJ Moore going to do for, Uh, Justin Fields and that I think is is valid to some extent we've seen it with other guys last couple years what if Calvin Ridley helps Trevor Lawrence take a a major step forward and a major step forward for Trevor Lawrence like I think we all have it set like myself included I have Lawrence eight and Burrow four but I think everybody just kind of has it set in their minds that Burrow is the better player real life and fantasy than Trevor Lawrence I think by the end of this season, if the top, if the highest end outcome or close to it comes true for the Jags and for Trevor Lawrence, I think he's going to be right there uh, with Burrow in fantasy and worth with Burrow in real life, which is to say he's going to be right there in the QB2 conversation in real life football behind Mahomes, I think, if things go well this season. Like we forget. This is a guy who was a generational prospect. It was him. It was Andrew Luck. And his first year in the NFL was just one of the most not real years you could ever imagine with Urban Meyer. He gets a real coach with a real system and competent pass catchers around him last year. And the guy was good. And the last half of last year, especially, 
he was really good. And I know like it didn't necessarily turn into elite, elite fantasy production. I think so weeks nine to 16 last year, he was the QB six in points and points per game, but you know, that's still above QB eight. And that's still again, without Calvin Ridley being there and potentially boosting this offense in a real way. So I just like, I like taking him where he's at. And I'm, again, I'm not even advocating for higher, but I just think there's a lot of upside that just isn't priced into his rank because there's other guys ahead of him who I also like a lot. And I just like going with the cheapest guy there. Uh, so off the gate, don't disagree with you. I really like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, this is something I haven't got to talk about this off season just because we haven't really had a good uh, opening for it. But something I've wanted to bring up is how wild the current ADPs at quarterbacks are compared to previous years. Like four or five years ago, late round quarterback was the methodology. You yep. take a guy late, you stack your skill position players because these pocket passing guys really don't vary in scoring even when they vary in skill. This year, this is from Ian Hart, it's on Twitter. Uh, we have six QBs with an ADP inside the top 50 overall. In 2022, that was four. Yep. 2021, that was three. 2020 and 2019, it was two. Uh, and I I really like Trevor Lawrence. Taking him where his ADP is at, which on underdog right now is 63.8, is just really difficult for me with the guys going around him. But I do think if you're going QB early or like mid-round, he is the only viable pick. Uh, if you're discounting Justin Herbert's inside the top 50. So I'm discounting him as, top, as a mid-round yeah. pick at this point. The other mid-round picks are Deshaun Watson, Tua Tagovailoa, Anthony Richardson, who's going in the top 100 now, which yep. is, is expensive, Dak Prescott, and then Daniel Jones. I think among those guys, if you're going mid-round at all, I would do it. I, I My only thing is I really think QB play is getting elevated because the top ones are winning leagues, but some of these mid-round guys don't have that league-winning potential. Now. Trevor Lawrence starts using his legs more and gets on the ground more, or well, he, he does. He, he does use his legs a, a fair amount. Like he's good for about 300 rushing yards, and he's had two rushing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns in his two years. So you could he he get, it's not nothing. It's not what it could be. I don't think, but he it's like a Mahomes level of, of rushing addition to his passing. But then to expect him to be the QB one would be a Mahomes level yeah and i'm not saying i'm not saying, you well, I'm not saying you're saying that either. i'm just saying i i probably would rather take a late round dart throw on somebody who could be a top 12 guy like stafford or i don't know about anthony richardson anymore pick 100 but yeah uh daniel jones later those are guys but i do like trevor lawrence i think he's a good guy and i don't think he's a bad pick it's just q qb is all together getting elevated in drafts right now and i don't know how to feel about that yeah uh okay give me your second guy i'm gonna go look at fantasy pros to to see what the non-sharps are doing with trevor lawrence's overall adp oh i can tell you right now i have that open uh trevor lawrence's non oh i don't have the actual pick he, he's qb8 i know that much yeah I'll, I'll pull up the full adp you you give your your second guy here uh so the, the next three my guy i mean my entire my guys this year are my old guys unfortunately uh going into them I think this guy's made an appearance every year we've done the podcast and I will continue to let him make appearances until he proves me wrong. But it's Tyler Lockett. I do not understand what people are asking me to do with Tyler Lockett. He is currently prized at the wide receiver 32. We're going to play a fun game. 2018, his ADP was wide receiver 54. His PPR finish was wide receiver 16. 2019 ADP, he was wide receiver 19. 
he finished the wide receiver 13. 2020, wide receiver 21, finished wide receiver 8. 2021, wide receiver 19, finished wide receiver 16. This year, all the way at wide receiver 32, or sorry, last year, wide receiver 38, he finished at wide receiver 13. There has not been a year in five years that he's underperformed ADP. It is the most consistent thing next to Mike Evans getting a thousand yards every year in the football space. And he's going not even as a, as a wide receiver three, when he's at a thousand yards for four straight years, his passing offense is likely going to take a step forward and run less out of 12 personnel and more out of 11 personnel. And the only discount I can find for him is they added JSN, but the Jackson Smith and the Jigba draft pick is probably good for Tyler Lockett. On targets per routes last year, he averaged 0.4 targets per route run from the slot and 0.7 targets per route run from outside. He's been a better outside receiver than he has been a slot receiver. And if your only argument is that he slows down in the second half of the season, it's that's it, been a problem with all of Seattle, but you're still getting a guy who puts up some weeks 30 points and you're getting him all the way in the 70s in drafts. Other than that, I can see the argument that he's getting older. But last season, just like with other elite players like Travis Kelsey, there were no signs of drop-off. From reception perception, he had the fourth highest success rate versus man last year in the NFL and the eighth highest success rate versus zone. And then ESPN ranked him as the third most open receiver out of any player of last season out of 538 total wide receivers ranked. And then he was 20th in yards per route run. So I just can't find an argument that leads me credence to not draft Tyler Lockett where he's going. And he should probably be drafted all the way within the top 24 wide receivers. Yeah. I, I think we both have him ranked that way uh, to play devil's advocate. Uh, Cause I completely agree uh, with you on, on everything with, with Lockett. Uh, I am right there in lockstep with you on Lockett is, um, <laughs> Is you know JSN currently hurt, currently probably set to miss week one. Uh, maybe that ADP creeps up a little bit. I'm still taking it, but it's gonna probably go up to where you're actually gonna have to pay a more reasonable price for Lockett than than what you are right now. I think. Uh, and also before I forget, uh, Trevor Lawrence actually going higher in uh, non-sharp drafts right now, which I guess shouldn't be too shocking. 53 overall, still still on it, still digging it. Um, <laughs> still, still digging it. <laughs> and then uh, number two with Lockett is you do worry, not that there's been a drop-off, but there is a small part of me that just wonders because I like JSN. I like him a lot as a prospect. I think he's really good. And I don't think he's going to only take away from Lockett. I think it's going to be from both DK and Lockett. But like, what does December and late November look like for Tyler Lockett if JSN starts really – hitting his stride. So that would be the concern, but at the price, and even if the price goes up a little bit, I'm, I'm still very much on board here. Well, and I always do my best to like give myself a little argument on why I could be wrong, but last year Lockett was the best wide receiver in Seattle. Like, oh, yeah. he, he had more points than DK Metcalf. If you're just going on that alone, but like success, those, those reception perception success rates, he was better than DK in both of them. And I do not understand. Usually the market's really sharp. I don't understand DK not taking a hit. His ADP last year and this year are identical. But Tyler Lockett's ADP dropped 12 spots on wide receivers. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's just the market seeing uh, JSN as a one-for-one -one replacement. Yeah, and for that to be sooner rather than later. 
And on underdog, JSN is going above Tyler Lockett, yeah. which I and some of the other guys going above him, like Christian Kirk's going above him. I think he should go above Christian Kirk. DeAndre Hopkins is going above him. I would take him over Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, Christian Watson, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, Debo Samuel, all guys I would take Tyler Lockett above. Um, it's just every year Tyler Lockett is freer than he should be. And we'll, I'll just keep banging the drum till I'm wrong. Yep. With you there. Okay. My second one, a guy that we have talked about plenty. I uh, won't get into it too much more today, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Sky Moore because he is probably out of all of these guys. He's the guy that I'm leaving every draft with because he's the easiest. Like he's wide receiver 50 ADP. I can just take him wide receiver 42 like in in the adp order and i get him every time i have sky Moore on i think every team i've drafted this year and you know tony is still the highest chief chief receiver being drafted right now and i get that especially if he is going to be back week one but i far prefer the gamble on, on sky Moore right now like sky Moore is not going to win you your league tony could so again i get the gamble but i do think Sky Moore has the upside to give you a week-to-week starters production at a bench wide receiver price. And, and that could be incredibly valuable. That can allow you, if you know you have that kind of in your back pocket in a draft, you, you know that you're going to reach for Sky Moore and get him a little early, but what you still think is a value, you can maybe take a Darren Waller, a Trevor Lawrence, or you know a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh well, Allen, a Jalen Hurts earlier. Jamison Williams. Because you know you have a guy who will replace James Williams if he's just not good. Yeah, so like you can feel more comfortable in taking a quarterback earlier, a tight end earlier, not both probably, but one of them. Or yeah, like you said, you take a risk on Jamison Williams because you do feel like Sky Moore can can kind of unlock your team a little bit by being there in the ADP. So he himself is not going to win your league, but I think the draft strategies that he can allow you to do are league-winning type of draft strategies, and that's why I like drafting sky so much and especially like rounds three through five is just a bloodbath right now for running back and receiver so i just like i like scooping up one i can trust much much later than that and then like on sky Moore himself we've talked about this a lot but the chiefs gave him a chance to play all three wide receiver spots last year you know he was outside he was inside he was doing you know flanker he was lined up and he was lined up all over the place and there were some growing pains and there were some wrong routes run. There were some routes that weren't run quite to perfection and resulted in, in an interception or whatever the case may be. Um, but I just think I saw enough from him as a route runner, as a separator. You know, reception perception, you mentioned earlier, it, it likes him as a separator quite a bit. Like, he's a legitimately refined route runner. And I think he's going to step right into that Juju Smith-Schuster slot role and excel. And I think we just have a tendency – to leave a guy for dead if they didn't come in and show us something stats wise right away as a rookie. And I just want to remind people, you know, they had MVS, they had Juju in the exact role that Sky was going to be playing last year. And this is a team that was Super Bowl contenders, ended up winning the Super Bowl. Like this was not an easy spot for him to come in and break the lineup and contribute right away. I think if he goes, you know, even though we like the situation more now, I think if he goes somewhere worse and has 600 yards last season, he's going 15 spots higher than he is right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, right now, underdog is ADP is a wide receiver 44. He did jump Canarius Tony on that, but it's still mm-hmm. wild. They're five spots apart considering Tony might not play till week six, yep. uh, depending on what reports you're reading. Uh, I was 
a big Sky Moore fan coming out of college. You go watch his tape at Western Michigan. It's exciting. He's fun. He's fast with the ball in his hands. Uh, I mean, everybody who's played for the Chiefs and then left have said that Andy Reid's playbook is incredibly difficult to learn. Yeah. A great example of that was last year against the Colts game. Mahomes won interception. Sky Moore was supposed to cut up. He cut in. Mahomes threw an interception because of it. Uh, it was Sky the same, same story in the 49ers game, too. There yeah. was one like that. Uh, and those those mistakes did cost Sky Moore his his spot on the field. But like you said, he was very, uh, you know, co- copy and paste. They wanted him and Juju to do the same thing. And Juju is a five-year NFL pro who did a better job at that. But you're getting a guy who's going into a spot where a guy who's injured in Juju finishes wide receiver 28 last year. Like, that's highly profitable. It's easy to get those points. And, it, like, the Chiefs don't have a single wide receiver in the top 100 picks which is insane because they have a quarterback going. Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback and Andy Reid is the offensive coordinator. Like, I think we just all need to get together and decide we're taking a shot on one of these guys at wide receiver 38. Yeah. Well, the thing is we know like MVS had five seasons in the NFL and he's almost identical every year. Like we know exactly what MVS is. He does his job. Well, that's fine. Justin Watson is, is around. He's doing his thing. Uh, but he's he's not a fantasy player. And then you have Kadarius Tony, who great player. If, he, if he's field. if he's on the field, the wild card is Justin Ross because I Absolutely. have been I have been impressed with with what he's shown. But I still think no matter how this room shakes out, I think Sky is going to have a a nice role. Uh, yeah. At a nice price. All right, I'll let you give your third. I have to run downstairs for thirty seconds. I will be back. Oh, okay. Well, jumping into my third, we're just going back to the drawing board with another guy I had last year. It's Deontay Johnson. Uh, just like the Tyler Lockett situation, I don't fully understand what the draft cost is for Deontay Johnson versus what we saw last year. Um, right now on underdog, Deontay Johnson is fighting with his backfield mate in George Pickens to be wide receiver 34. Deontay Johnson is wide receiver 35. George Pickens is wide receiver 34. Uh, It doesn't make sense to me for a couple of reasons. First of all, last year, Deontay Johnson didn't score a single touchdown. But of all players to have 147 targets and to not score a touchdown, the next closest was all the way down at 102. So there's a big difference. No player's ever had the season Deontay Johnson does, which is touchdownless. Uh, and then if you look at his expected fantasy points per game from fantasy data, he his wide receiver outcome in a putrid Pittsburgh offense that did half the season with Mitch Trubisky and the second half with rookie Kenny Pickett was to be wide receiver 19. He would already outperform his ADP by 16 spots doing that. Uh, despite that, his 2022 campaign, when you don't look at just counting stats, is still a very successful campaign. His first read target share was fourth in the NFL. The only players that were ahead of him were Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett, another my guy, and T. Higgins on first reads. Kenny Pickett is going to continue to feed him the ball. All signs point to Kenny Pickett having a next year a more successful campaign. Rookies usually take a step forward. And then, I mean, it's really hard to not go back in Deontay Johnson's history and see how successful he can be. Two years ago, he was a wide receiver, eight in PPR points with 107 catches, 1,161 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, and you're drafting this guy all the way at wide receiver 35. Like It is absurd that Deontay Johnson is going this late because Deontay Johnson, if he played with Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, would be a top six pick in every fantasy draft because he is so incredibly talented at football. 
He's one of the best route runners in football. And I can't make sense of the talent discrepancy with other guys around him. Some of the other players going around Deontay Johnston, again, Chris Kirk, Jahan Dodson, Gabe Davis, like Jordan Addison, Michael Pittman. I mean, I, those guys, good, good receivers. Deontay Johnson is a whole caliber above him. Reception yeah. Perception has him ranked as the second best man and zone beater last season. And all of that to say is you're getting a guy that got 150 targets in an offense in the eighth round of fantasy drafts, and he's going to do the same thing again. There's no one that's going to take those targets away from him. All signs point to Kenny Pickett being better. And worst case scenario, you're drafting him as your wide receiver four, and he finishes as your wide receiver four. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think as long as he's healthy, I think we saw the floor last season because he did not score any touchdowns, and he, that's basically still around where he's being – drafted right now i don't know what um what all you said in that first little bit when i was gone but did you uh did you give this stat that he had the record for most targets without a touchdown at 147 that no is, that is 38 more than second place that yes. is double i did have this that is double the next closest guy last season which was saquon who was like in the 70s uh, target range with no receiving touchdowns. And that's a running back, not not a wide receiver. And this isn't one of those fun stats that just they made up. This is going all the way back to 1992. Like This is recording it for 30 years of data, and Deontay Johnson is that far above. And his lead mate uh, and wide receiver mate, George Pickens, had 98 targets and seven touchdowns. Like there's, yeah. there's going to be discrepancies here, and they're probably going to default towards Deontay and be at the loss of George Pickens. Well, you know, uh, the the actual guy that had the record before, um, had the record for most receptions, not targets, but most receptions without a touchdown before Deontay set that last year was Raymond Berry in 1965. That That's what kind of a rare company uh, Deontay has. And which, by the way, Raymond Berry led the NFL in receiving touchdowns the previous two years before that. So even in the 1960s, touchdowns, very hard to predict. Uh, if you go back and listen to our 1962 podcast, Raymond Berry wasn't my guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, who do you have next? All right, uh, hold that T. Higgins stat for uh, for the next one here. Uh, but the this first one, read, he was second in the NFL, by the way. Did not know that. Uh, did not have that in my in my notes. You know what? I'll, I'll just go right to T. Higgins. Even though T. Higgins is my number one, my guy. To be clear, I have one more after him, but he is my number one, my guy. But the stat flows in so well. We'll just go with it. The ADP for him is wide receiver 14 on Fantasy Pros. I think it's pretty similar. I think it may have been the exact same last I saw on Underdog. I have him at 10, so not a great deal higher, but still higher. And we've talked about this a lot. If you're a handful of spots higher that early in the draft, it is a somewhat significant difference. And the, the biggest knock I always see against T. Higgins is he just doesn't have enough upside. Like, he just doesn't have enough upside to be taken as a wide receiver one. I'm not saying I see him on a lot of bust lists, but he is on more of them than about anybody else uh, in his draft range, I think, like any other receiver of his caliber. He's the one I see the most, and it, it really is that. But I really just think this guy is a, a wide receiver one hiding in plain sight, and it's just been injuries and, uh, you know, basically just injuries, injuries and, you know, what happened in the Bills game happened last year. Like he, there, And he's not only had injuries, he's had games where he has been injured very early on. 
He's had game like he had a game last year where he was a straight up decoy. He was active, played like seven percent of the snaps, and then had one target. He had another game I think last year where he played one percent of his team snaps. I think got hurt that quickly. So even if you look at like his points per game uh, and just look at the whole season, that doesn't even tell the true story of what this guy has been the last last couple of years. But I'll get to that. I think there is still upside with T Higgins, even if Jamar Chase is there. And it's for one reason, look at one spot in the box score. He has 13 touchdown receptions in 30 games with Joe Burrow as his quarterback with Jamar Chase as the wide receiver. Not all of the chase, but since chase has gotten there, I should say. And this is a guy who is six foot four can high point the ball extremely well. It's one of his best attributes. It's why he's so good over the middle. I mean, we remember the the catch he had against the Chiefs in the playoffs for the touchdown. Like that was one of the better catches of the entire postseason on anybody. So like there is nothing about T. Higgins that says this guy is a seven and six touchdown scorer, even if he does play 13, 14 games. So even if you just give him, even if this guy gets to double digit touchdowns, which he's going to have a season like that eventually, he, he's going to outperform this ADP. So that's number one and the most basic uh analysis as far as that goes. And then number two, like as long as Burroughs calf is fine, this is a top five passing offense. And there's just no reason that a guy who has been, like you said, number two in the NFL in first read targets the last, the last year, there's no reason that guy can't be a top 10 fantasy receiver. Despite the size, he's a very good separator, very good route runner. And then let's take a look back at, at some of those, uh, game logs last year and some of the points per game stuff so last season he finished as the wide receiver 17 cumulatively but obviously the game log says 16 but he left one game early with a concussion played about a fourth of the snaps was a decoy in week five played 16 percent of the snaps no targets and they played one snap in week four zero targets and then we all know what happened against buffalo but that still counts against him in the points per game when you look at it, if you just take the 12 full games he played last season, he's, you know, wide receiver 14. He's like moving up, moving on up a little bit. And then, oh, sorry. It, it's still, so wide receiver 14, if you look at all of them, if you take those four out, I read this wrong. He is 15.1 points per game, wide receiver seven in points per game last season, one spot behind Jamar Chase. You do the same exercise in 2021 because it was a very – he missed a couple games. He he had another like one where he left early. He was a wide receiver 22, but points per game, he's wide receiver 11. So this is a guy who has produced when he's been on the field and played full games as a wide receiver one, and people just don't want to talk themselves into it when I think he has just as high upside and just a probably even a safer floor then Chris Olave, then Jalen Waddle, then Devontae Smith, all those guys who are going right around but slightly ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, one fun stat I have, and this one's floated around Twitter multiple times, if you take their entire career together between T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and you do a 16-game span for both of them, Jamar Chase finishes as the wide receiver four overall last year and T. Higgins finishes as the wide receiver five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the difference in targets is eight targets total. Uh, obviously, like, first of all, this isn't like Jamar Chase hate. I think it's T Higgins is underappreciated. Three years, 900 yards is as low as that's his rookie season where he played without Joe Burrow for most of the season. Uh, Joe Burrow has back-to-back 4,500 passing yard seasons. 
we uh, no one expects this offense to take a step back. I think this offense is probably going to get more creative. Uh, they had to the second half of last season. The start of last year, obviously, there was the four-pick game, the multiple sack game against the Steelers. Uh, by week five, if anybody remembers, it seems like the offense in Cincinnati figured it out, and they ran a lot more RPOs. They they were a much better team altogether when it came together offensively. And he, like everybody thinks that T. Higgins is being overdrafted because he did well when Jamar Chase was gone. It's not the case. You could have two good wide receivers on it. Well, team. I actually think I, I don't have the stat, but I remember this as it was happening. I think last year he was basically about the same points per game with and yeah. without Jamar Chase. So I think it's a little bit of a misnomer for that people think, oh, well, he needs Jamar Chase to get hurt to be a, a top 10 receiver. It's like, no, like he, he's just kind of the same thing with and without Jamar Chase. There's not a ton more upside without Chase and there's not a ton more downside with Chase. It's about the same. Yeah. And what, like what I really don't understand is obviously Devonta Smith was a bust last year for me or for this year for me. Yep. Uh, I don't understand taking Devonta Smith over T Higgins. Yeah. That one doesn't track for me. Um, Jalen Waddle is another guy that goes above him that I'm, I'm still questionable on. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's the same arguments that you would make against Higgins. You can make for those guys, but yeah. they don't have Joe Burrow as their quarterback exactly. and the, and in this passing offense. And like, I, I think may, maybe people just think those guys are better than T Higgins. I think just as a player, T is under, I, I think he's every bit as good as both of those guys. Yeah, I would agree. I think that it, I think T Higgins is better than both those guys. He's proven to be better. And he is way more likely to be able to lead his team if the, the starter goes down than those two. We saw yeah. Devonta Smith struggle his rookie year doing that. And Jalen Waddle simply is just not built to be the wide receiver one on that offense. And you're, mm -hmm. you're tying your fantasy production to a wide receiver two with Tua. Talk about what Yep. Or uh, Skylar Thompson. Okay. Yeah. Dalton, you're number one, my guy. Uh, this, this comes as no surprise to anybody who listened to this podcast for multiple years in a row. Uh, yet again, uh, it's James Conner. All of my guys just feel like screaming values, which probably means none of them are going to work out. Uh, you, you are just you are running a high risk of all of your guys being like completely washed up in week eight. Yeah, but if they're injured, I, I'm not wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, just like some fun facts for James Conner. Going as a wide receiver 26 right now, which means people aren't even drafting him as an RB2 which is absurd because he's the RB1 on an NFL team by like a mile. And I'm, I'm not a guy who just looks at rosters and does a one-to-one -one comparison and says, well, clearly he's going to get all the runs. Um, but he did get all the work last year. He had a 70% snap share. From week 11 onward, he was RB4 in fantasy. So already it's astounding to me that people aren't taking him higher based off one workload and two, he's the only guy – who was successful for a lot of fantasy teams to end the year. Um, and usually there's some recency bias there. The next argument is, well, he's just a runner. Like he only runs with the ball. He's not a guy that's going to catch the ball. Well, that's also wrong. He ran the fourth most routes last year of any running back. He was only beaten by CMC, Saquon Barkley. I mean, this is absurd, the amount of workload this guy was getting. Are we concerned about him getting injured? Yes. yes. I'm concerned about <laughs> every running back I draft getting injured. But yeah, guys, but, but James Conner has done the like what you would project for every running back, which is to miss a couple games. He, I think, I don't think he's played more than fourteen games, but one time, so he does just get hurt every year. It's, a, it's just a fact. I don't disagree with you. We'll play a fun game, <laughs> guys. Above him, James Cook. Never in his career has he handled more than one hundred and fifty touches in a season. This goes back to college. 
Next, Javante Williams. He's already hurt. Okay. Up next, Cam Akers. Cam Akers' argument for fantasy relevance is the exact same argument as James Conner, yep. except he might be behind a worse offensive line and might have a better offensive-minded coach. Next on the list, Miles Sanders. Wow, he's hurt as well. Up next, J.K. Dobbins. All the love to J.K. Dobbins. J.K. is looking great. I don't know what you're talking in about. His career had more than fifty percent of the running back snaps. So we're just gonna we're gonna keep going up this list because it keeps getting bad. Alexander Madison, hate Kenneth Walker. He hasn't practiced. Brees Hall, another problem. I mean, you have to go all the way up to the RB thirteen and fourteen before it gets legitimate that these guys have an argument against the workload James Conner is having, but. The next argument, because I went and read James Conner's bust articles to try to find out what's going on here, it's that he's bad because Kyler Murray's not going to be there. That well, argument, you, you you do have to agree that that like this this might not be Colt McCoy. This could be Clayton too, and it could be a combination of both. And it might not work out quite like it did the end last season. I don't care who it is, because there's one wide receiver on that roster over six feet tall. The rest of them are five six. James Conner is going to get passing work because they need him in the pass game. Even if James Conner plays 60% of his team's snaps, he's going to outperform his ADP. He's going to be the most tried and true every down starter. And he's legitimately a good pass catching back. And I think Arizona is going to be in a lot of down 30 in the third quarter situations. Uh, last year, his targets per route run from to, week to, 10. To, to play devil's advocate, sorry. Wouldn't wouldn't there be a chance he's just not in the game if they're down by that much in the third or like down by a lot in the third quarter? Who are we gonna play? Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram. Ingram. I like. I, it seems like Keontae Ingram has kind of secured that RB two spot. We're, we've both been fans in the past. This I, coaching staff has no tie to either of these guys. May as well see what the young guy has while you're tanking. You're absolutely right. But James Conner. Also, they have no ties to him. His contract's dead at the end of this year. He's free money. You're playing with house money, and if you think the guy gives you a little get-up, you may as well run him out there. I'm very confident with the bevy of picks Arizona has, they will be drafted running back next year. They don't care about who's on roster. All right, sorry. Uh, give your your yards per route run stat. I from week 10 that. onward from the Kyler Murray injury, uh, he was third in targets per route run among running backs. The only player above him was John Joe Swift and Christian Caffrey. Like, they're legitimately, he's a good pass catcher, and then he's also a good runner, and I think this team is going to need to utilize him because he's probably the second-best option they have on offense to do anything for them uh, behind Marquise Brown. I mean, maybe he falls behind Michael Wilson, but even then, this guy is a – I think he's a legitimate threat to destroy ADP. And the first 10 weeks of your fantasy run, he could very well be within the top 10 of running backs if Arizona has any success – running the ball on the ground which they may not but no i i like i think i have connor ahead of you said rb26 was adp yes so i, I think i'm even a handful of spots like where, where do you have connor ranked right now i have an rb16 okay so i i have him at 19 so you're a couple spots higher but i i am mostly with you but i can just poke holes in it in a way that i don't think you're willing to uh so i, I may be a tad bit lower. You would never guess that Dalton traded James Conner to me in our dynasty league for anybody who is uh, tanking, I'm who, tanking. Is, who is not listening. Maybe you should uh, trade for him back. Give me more than what I gave you for him. We, we can a get third in Tyrion Davis price. <laughs> you got Chase Claypool. I forgot because he's already off the roster. <laughs> uh, no, it's just the, 
my argument isn't against him. It's that there are running backs going around him with the same problems. And I think he's done better in a bad situation than some of those other guys, uh, namely Rashad White. Yeah, um, no, I mean, you don't have to talk to me about Rashad sure. White. I gave that case last week. David Montgomery is going in front of him, which I like him and Miles Sanders are like white bread to me. They're, there's no fun in them. Uh, and then I still think Kenneth Walker's a bust. I will draft James. I would draft James Conner in the fourth round before I drafted Kenneth Walker in the fourth round. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I would still take Kenneth Walker, but it, it's a debate. I literally have them back to back right now. So I, I would be probably faced with that choice. And James Conner's healthy. That is true. How, he beat how, cancer. He's going to be ADP. <laughs> Tough to argue with that with that line of of thinking. Okay, my last my guy. And real quick, I, I do want to thank people who have hung with us for an hour thirteen, uh, about about the same length as last week, I guess. But I will have Johnny put a timestamp if you want to skip the the Evan filibustering. Like if you're catching this on YouTube, <laughs> and go back and listen. Uh, you can skip that part because that's just news and looking back at last year's my guys. But my last my guy is actually a guy that I named when I was looking back at my my guys from last year, his second year in a row on my list. And that is Khalil Herbert. RB35 and ADP. He's my RB31. And frankly, I was looking at my rankings and I really want to move him up like three more spots, get him like RB28, something like that. Um, I get that on paper. There are a lot of obstacles for Herbert this season. He's got Rashawn Johnson, who they brought in. Deontay Foreman, they bring in him free agency. Justin Fields may have the most rushing yards on the team this season like he did last season. Um, and then you just have the fact that maybe Rashawn Johnson is a better scheme fit than Khalil Herbert for certain things. But I guess what I'm betting on is – Herbert is a good enough player and by far the most talented running back on this team that he he's just he's going to be the lead guy in this backfield. He he may not be a 65% guy, but he doesn't have to be to live up to RB35 or even RB31, even RB28 where I have him ranked. Like I think if all if all things were equal and he was just like in a whatever you call a league average position for a fantasy running back I think he'd be like RB15, RB16. Like, I think he's one of the 15 to 20 most talented guys in the NFL at the position. I, I just, I love the way he plays. He's so explosive. He's a tackle breaker. He forced 29 missed tackles on 129 carries last season. So basically like all, like almost a fourth of his carries, he was breaking a tackle, which is pretty good. He was fourth in rush yards over expected in the NFL last season. And, Look, he was RB, I had it somewhere, RB39 last season, so four spots below his current ADP, but he had 138 touches. Like, no matter what you think about this backfield, about Fields' rushing, I think we can all agree that Herbert's probably in line for more than that because David Montgomery outtouched him by 100 carries, by 100 touches last year. And I don't think that's going to happen with either of these running backs this season. Like, Again, I know they haven't committed to him in the past. Maybe they won't now, but they don't have to commit to him to be the unquestioned workhorse. He just has to be the fifty to the thirty to the twenty, the the sixty to the you know to the thirty to the ten, whatever. Like, I just think this guy is a super good player. His ADP is down low enough to where like you look at guys around him, and, and I wish I had the list, or maybe I do still. Um, looking around him, it's like. You know, DeAndre Swift is going ahead of him. That'd be a real conversation. I know who Dalton's taking 
in that situation. Uh, David Montgomery, James Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook, Rashad White, like those guys, none of those guys are guaranteed to be the lead guy in their backfield, and, and neither is Herbert. So I, I just think, I think this is a this is a, a bet you can make on talent. That talent can overcome the situation, and he can be the the RB twenty five if things break okay, and if everything breaks perfectly this season. If he does completely win that job, and maybe Fields runs a little less, it's still like run a lot, but maybe a little less. This is a guy that has like top 20 upside, in my opinion, if things break really well. And there's just not other guys in this range. Like I was looking last night, and this has already flipped a little bit. But as of last night, we were we were taking both Washington running backs ahead of him. Like really, both of those guys ahead of Khalil Herbert. Like I just think this guy is massively underrated. There's a new rookie in town. Everyone's freaked out about that, freaked out about fields. And I'm just buying the dip on the talent because it's not a heavy price to pay. Yeah, uh, I like Cleo Herbert, obviously. I think you and me both won him as my guy last year, and we just decided to split the difference. Uh, I will give the argument against him here. First of all, huge Deontay Foreman fan over here. A uh, guy toward his ace or his Achilles. That, that is a difference between us. I think he's just a guy. He's useful. Yeah. He's a plotter. He's useful, but he's, I think, just a guy. Toward his Achilles, probably the best evidence running backs come from back from it. Love him. Uh, super good. The big problem and the argument against Khalil Herbert starts with Roshan Johnson and that the regime did not draft Khalil Herbert. They did draft Roshan Johnson. And among all qualifying college running backs last year, I don't know the exact stat, but I know he was like top 10 on third down and pass blocking. Like he was so good that Texas was taking Bijan Robinson off the field just to have Roshan Johnson in there and pass blocking. And I think that the Chicago bears are probably going to still have a pretty bad offensive line this year. I know they drafted a rookie, but it looks like Tevin Jenkins isn't even going to be able to play league one. So they're already down a guard and we haven't even played a snap of football. Uh, and even if he is the RB one, he's likely the RB two because of Justin Fields. Um, but, I mean, probably the biggest difference for you and me not playing devil's advocate is that I think that the Chicago offense is going to suck for another year. They're going to probably get rid of Justin Fields. But that's probably a hotter take than a lot of people have. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm predicting him to be good. But, you know, I'm just, again, this is a guy who was RB39 while being outtouched by 100 carries by a running back and then also having the quarterback lead the team in rushing. So, I don't think it's crazy to think his situation could actually be better than last year. And it's kind of being painted as he's in a worse spot than, than last season. Uh, and he, and you know, and he finished, like I said, four spots behind where he's going right now. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, he finished 39 last year. He's 32 on underdog uh, one spot ahead of Antonio Gibson now. So the sharps are a little in line with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, especially if you're going like zero running back, I think he's a great target because he's one of those guys that if he does hit, he's immediately going to be a top 20 starter every week. You just need him to come out of this committee and Eberflus and Quo to reject having the committee. Yep, agreed. Uh, so Herbert, my number two, my guy, T. Higgins, number one, to be clear, who just got flipped on the order. But I am once again in on Herbert. Uh, excited to see how that one shakes out. And just real quick. To answer Cameron's question in the chat, hey, fellas, is it a terrible idea to take Joe Burrow round one? I'm going to say, unless you're in a super flex, yes, it is. Uh, e- even the QB1 
Patrick Mahomes should not be going any higher than like the two, three turn is where I would take him. He may go higher than that. That's about where I would take him. So yeah, I, I thought, I know you agree that we're not taking any first round shots on a quarterback in a non-super flex. Yeah. Even if I was like the eighth pick and six quarterbacks went in front of me, like I don't, <laughs> like, I don't if six quarterbacks went in front of me. I'd be like, wow, I get, Christian McCaffrey or, you know, Justin Jefferson or, or Jamar, you know, Jamar Chase, Chase at, um, at eight. No. And if you're in a league where like people, like a lot of people are drafting one or even two quarterbacks in the first five rounds, just scoop up value everywhere else and take like Brock Purdy as your starting quarterback. Cause you're going to score so many points everywhere else. It's not going to be a factor. Yep. Agreed. Agreed with you there. And that is going to do it for episode 114 of the half point per podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube as well. Link to all these things in the show notes. As always, the show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. Leave us a five-star review. We always appreciate those. Thank you all again so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.